This podcast rated M.A. for mature adults. Yeah, like we could be fucking mature. Hi, and welcome to uh, episode four of Stay a While and Listen, our generalist gaming podcast. Tonight we'll be starting the month of February off with uh, tabletop RPGs and a directional uh, conversation. Uh, Candace is here as usual, but Matt is absent because of illness, and so we brought in a special guest, um, Voice of Madness, uh, Balthy from our uh, Shadowrun Gaming Group. Say hi, Balthy. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so suave. So suave. Uh, and we discussed earlier that tonight we'd be talking about, uh, why you don't have to read all the book, but it's a good idea to at least read some of it. I mean, it's not like it's going to kill you or anything. Did it kill you, Balti? Inside a little bit, yes. Some of those. I'm so sorry. That was the last fraction of your soul that was left. (laughs) Some of those chapters on game mastering will do that to you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I don't read the GM's book. I just read the player's handbook. Ish. (laughs) All right, so generally speaking, I'm an advocate of uh, when you come to the table, you should at least know what your character does. So if you're a fighter, you know how to roll to hit. You know how much damage the longsword does. Yeah. If you're a spellcaster, then I expect you to do a lot more of the legwork because you should know what your spells do. Which is why, honestly, as the first role-playing character I ever made actually was a rogue. Because I understood that if I make a caster, I'm going to have a dictionary worth of things that I need to memorize, I need to have written down, I'm going to have note cards, because I'm going to go, wait a minute, let me see, I want to cast a flip, 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 this, and it does, wait, is this a vocal, or do I need a diamond or something to cast this? book flip 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 five minutes later i have finally you know done a cantrip (laughs) (laughs) i'm not that bad but i definitely agree with you i might know what i'm doing but my dice don't (laughs) (laughs) i swear you're not careful your birthday you're getting one of those little dice jails that i've shown you oh god it works (laughs) no 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 no. the funny thing is is other kevin because we, he's Balthy, but he's Kevin. So we have another Kevin, and he is making a dice cage out of popsicle sticks. Guy buys 10,000 popsicle sticks on Amazon for like 10 bucks. Because he needs five? A, essentially, yes. So it's funny because he's like, what else am I going to do with these popsicle sticks? Because he actually bought them for some other project and was like, I'll make a dice cage. I'm like, you can make the swankiest dice cage with those because do you know how much building material you have? (laughs) You can carve that thing out of popsicle sticks. You can just lacquer them all together with some good layers of Elmer's glue and just take that thing to a lathe. Have you seen the video? There's somebody online who took... I think it was a good 10, maybe 15 of the craft style, craft fat popsicle sticks and uh, made a uh, katana that sits on, uh, comes out of the sheath. It's It's got a full tang hang, hammered into the small handle. The whole thing, it's sexy as hell. Just a stupid, 
oh, this is a bad, this is a video that gives me mental calmness watching this person craft this. I feel like I need that in my life now. That sounds hot. It's, it's definitely, I like watching people build things. Building things is fun. So is destroying things. Absolutely. Catharsis. Yeah. Catharsis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's nothing quite like the old days, SimCity. Before I would turn off the game, I would save, I would double save, then I would turn on all the disasters at once and watch the whole thing get crashed to the ground, <laughs> and then turn off without saving. That was too easy. I just set everything on fire and slowly watched it burn. No, this was just like every time before I'd get off the game. It was real quick. I need fast destruction because I'm getting off. Not that way, you sick fucks. <laughs> I mean, whatever works. I mean, you know, if it works. Uh, All right. So uh, we've all played tabletop RPGs before. We've all uh, been involved with this hobby. Uh, When you're coming in as a new player, what do you recommend they actually bother to read? So you don't need to read the whole book because there's a lot of extraneous stuff. Like in the back of the book, you're going to have the glossary of all the spells and all the feats. Don't need to read all of those right now. Read probably the first chapter. Read each of the blurbs of this is a barbarian. This is a paladin. This is an investigator. Whatever game you're playing that has whatever flavor, you know, this is a hacker. Read the blurbs of what those are. And then start to think what you want to do in the game. Do I want to punch things? Do I want to fix things? Do I want to heal people? Do I want to stab people in the kidney and run away after dealing to them 10d6 damage? He did it. (laughs) I wanted to eat everything. (laughs) (laughs) But it gives you a good idea of what you will need to remember of where it is in the book. Because those first couple chapters, generally your first chapter, first first chapter is fluff. Chapter two is here's your tables for this. Here's your tables for this. This is These are the things you're going to want to look at. Archetypes and ideals and these sort of things. But then just look at the blurbs of what each character is at the beginning of their chapter. Don't read the entire thing of, I need to read everything about a fighter. I need to read everything about the detective. Just read the blurb. Because they all generally have blurbs. That's my advice. You remember when we were playing Star Wars Saga Edition? Yeah. You remember um, there were some of the skills would have stuff in book one and then in book three and then in book six, and in, right? They were all over the goddamn place. Yeah. I recently started a little pet project where I'm transcribing from all the books grouped for all the skills and all the feats and all the talent tree or class trees. Just for my own personal benefit. I bring this up because what you said about them each having a blurb. Yeah. They also all have, usually in either the first chapter or the second chapter, depending on whether that first chapter is all fluff or if it's got some system stuff hiding in there. 
Which I hate when you have a chapter of 90% fluff and 10% of things you'll need, and you need to go searching for the things you need. This is why I like searchable PDFs at this point. But, um... With the... the that first chapter of system mechanics usually has the system's golden rules. Yeah. These are attributes, these are skills. Most of your roles are going to be made attribute plus mm -hmm. skill against target DC of X. I love books that actually give you examples in them. The ones that are like, oh, you're if you're going to be playing a strength-based character, I'm going to do a lot of these analogies within the Pathfinder and D&D &D range because they are, have such a wide berth on the RPG market. So continuing, you're going to be playing a strength-based character. You're going to roll this many dice to see what your modifiers are to add to these things. And then if you choose this attribute and this, you and it sets up this little math problem. So you're like, this is what I'm expecting to get into. I enjoy examples. That's always been helpful, helpful for me as well. I can never figure it out. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm going to ask everybody what I need to do or sit there for a few minutes and you'll say this and when you started out I remember you started playing with us and not us this group but the, the group that we were, we were playing with at the time and it was here's a pre-generated character uh, file off all the serial numbers make it your own and you did a great job of bringing an actual character to the table, not just, you know... Numbers. Numbers. But within three weeks, you're picking up your own feats, you're, you're figuring out how you want to attack, you're learning at just such a crazy pace. I'm going to blow some smoke up your ass right now, but frankly, if... Look at that smirk. Let me just bend over real quick. <laughs> if, there was a, if there's a reason why you've always earned a, a, a favored player at my table, it's because you've shown a willingness to learn the system. And I guess that's what we're getting down to is uh, it does help to to pick up your own load, so to speak. I, a lot of that also to me is just being attentive of what's going on, reading the, your character sheet. And when you're going to go and do something, when you're going to throw some dice understanding what you are throwing the dice for. Like, what number are you getting where? You need to make a perception roll. Okay, where's that number? Okay, and here's the little number that comes from that. Write that down. Mentally make a note of where these numbers come from so then when you want to do something else, you know, you're like, oh, I know how to do this. I know how to read my character sheet. I have a so I have a short story about a friend of mine was DMing game local store person in there had a character whatever the class was they were level uh, something rather up there about like level ten or eleven this person. Didn't know how to play, like, their archetype. 
because he was like, I started off as a monk and then I chose the f- the way of the fisty fist, <laughs> you know, and all they're doing is still just going, I'm a punch it when they can punch and double punch and then dodge back and attack them for their, uh, for their key and stun them. And this person doesn't know how to do any of these things like, you know, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Your your sheet says you can cast this spell of fiery fists of Bernie hate. You've been able to do this for so long. We're fighting zombies. Zombies hate fire. This is an archetype. I have a friend. Just. I have a friend that we brought him in from old first and second editions D&D. So first and advanced D&D. And all he ever wanted to do, every game, every... I'm a half-elf rogue. Except I'm a half-elf thief. Okay, cool. All right. Whatever. You can do the pickpocket route. That works. So, what's a rogue do? They run up behind things. They stab them for sneak damage. They unlock locks. Okay, they stab them for sneak damage. Yeah. You always... How does a rogue get their sneak damage? You flank. Flanking? Stealth. Stealth. Yeah. So, he never flanked, he never hid, he never stealthed, he just wanted a rapier in one hand and a hand crossbow in the other. <laughs> now, and he was playing, he was playing a, a That sounds like they actually do a lot better as a fighter. You can do some nasty oh. things with this crossbow. Oh, fire. absolutely. Oh. He could have he could have built this mechanically sound. Mm-hmm. But I want to play a halfling thief or a half elf thief. Okay. You can You can play a rogue. But a rogue is a skill monkey and a rogue is a backstabber. It is. And that's fine. Yeah, rogues are not built for the, I'm going to hit it and hit it again and hit it again for big damage, big damage, big he damage. He would stay Therefore, put. big damage, run away. He would stay put. When the combat would start, he wouldn't reposition. He wouldn't go into stealth. He wouldn't try and get a flank buddy. I always look for a flank buddy. If I'm stabbing something, I don't care what I'm playing. You look for a flank buddy. Because, oh, I get to roll two dice and take the better of the two rolls. Even yes, if it's just please? a plus even if it's just a plus two to hit. Flanking yeah. is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I rolled a two and an eighteen. You don't know what you were gonna roll originally. It might have been that two. Fuck that two. You always take a battle buddy with you. Fuck yeah. It's like going to the bathroom. You might fall in. (laughs) It's, and again, we're a generous, generalist podcast. It's like going into a multiplayer game without knowing how to operate your character. I don't know how to turn on the noob tube in Call of Duty. I don't know which button to push. Get off of my server. (laughs) (laughs) Hell, even in single-player games, when I'm playing Smash, I'm like, I have a new thing, and I don't know what down special, up special, left-right special, all these buttons do. I go to the little training ground, beat up on a dummy, and go, oh, that's what those do. Do I play the character again immediately? No, but I know what the buttons do now. That's like going into Smash and not knowing that the B button works. 
Oh. That's like my daughter not knowing how to do a smash attack. I love her. She's nine, but oh. she's learning. She comes up to me and says, hey, look, Daddy, I got five whole smash attacks. <laughs> oh, where, you sweet little summer whereas child. I'm the person who is not trying to do a smash attack and is like, ah, I did another smash attack. Oh, well. Because I've just trained my thumb to be like, smash. Because before that, I didn't know that there was a C button of auto smash. <laughs> and on the original uh, N64 smash, you could not charge your smash deck if you used the little yellow C buttons. Mm -hmm. It was insta smash. You had to learn how to actually smash. Quick directional smashes. That was That was handy. It was handy, but... I think people are spoiled now by the you can charge them on your right stick. Mm -hmm. But I digress. So, exactly as I feared, uh, the concept of open the damn book every now and then has only taken about 16 minutes of our time. So we're going to open this up to a little bit more uh, introductory conversations about tabletop RPGs. Um, do you have a favorite system? This isn't necessarily... This Does isn't this saying... To, okay. Does this have to be favorite to play? Or you would favor it for introducing someone to the concept of role-playing? That's exactly what we're aiming for, is to the concept of role-playing. And this is just the pros and cons of the different systems. And I do mean systems. I don't mean titles. So, like, Pathfinder, D&D 3.5, uh, Call of Cthulhu, D20, Bessem D20, all use I'm the really D20 enjoying D &D system. I'm really right now, just saying. And it's still a D20 system. Yeah, so, what is the most forgiving to, to teach new people? I'm not going to say it's the most forgiving, but I am going to say the D20 system for this reason. You are going to find the most players out there with the most experience in playing at least a D20 system sometime in their life. And there are going to be a plethora of information online just because, let's face it, it's a giant. Pathfinder is possibly as big as D&D. They haven't had as many releases of their versions of their game. They haven't gone through all of the you know, different history versions, but they have stepped into that giant's shoes and gone, these fit pretty darn well. It is really in. hard to not step, to step into a new city, not be able to find somewhere in town that's running a, running a D20 based mm -hmm. table game. It's better to start off with a D20 system as a new person anyways, so you don't start to become spoiled with less dice. Yeah. If you start off with less dice, you become spoiled over that system. Then you try the D20 and you don't know what you're doing. That's a that's a fair example there. Um, I don't know. The D10 system actually throws a good chunk of dice when you're playing into it. Uh, the storyteller, the the white wolf, the vampire, and the werewolf, that sort of yeah, that system. Those those D10 kind of yeah. systems. You're still throwing a handful of dice. D, D20 system... 
you are generally rolling 1d20. Maybe two if you have advantage or disadvantage. You're the, when you're throwing a lot of dice in a d20 system is when you're rolling your damage. So it's it's actually like the smaller, easier one to read because there's less math. You're generally adding four or five, you know, at most to a roll. Simple math. Easy. So you get into those mythics. <laughs> those are those are definitely uh, a hell of a lot of fun. I, I have not touched a Pathfinder Mythic game yet. Oh, I'm I love them. Not sure em. if I want to. I love them, if for nothing else, because you can use them just to have extra feats per character. Yeah, they. This isn't saying that normal D and D characters aren't slightly godlike. Because let's face no, it, I don't want to play. Out of, I don't want to play a street level superhero. I want to play a. <laughs> Uh, I'm not playing a superhero on Netflix. I'm playing a superhero on his solo movie. <laughs> um, so, is there a uh, a role that's easy to fall into that's not necessarily just dumb fighter, I hit things with a stick that you can recommend to an average person just trying to step into a game. Just saying, you can spice up a dumb fighter, I hit things with a stick in lots of fun ways. Oh, absolutely. But I get what you're saying with that. <sighs> Spicier than dumb fighter, I hit it with a stick. Honestly, even just taking a fighter... And going into archetype. a maneuver archetype, uh, yeah. something that's more controller. Well, actually, or... one of the things about like my friend complains about this with fighters all the time is that a fighter is more than I whack it with my stick. <laughs> you have we weapons with reach. You have grapple. You have trip. All of these things, which are really interesting maneuvers, which while you're okay. Most people, I think, that want to play a fighter want to be the, I roll a bunch of dice and the thing goes, ouch. What was it, uh, Balti, in the the boxy book series, the, that dwarf chick in that last fight where she was just, uh, it, it's a literary RPG series and one of her job skills was to just completely respec her gear. That sounds fun. So in the middle of the combat, she could switch from one type to another type, and it was like, now that's a way to make a fighter interesting. Hmm. Almost like doing a different stance. Yeah. yeah. Except this was... She went from a giant two-handed axe to a, a a mace, a club, a buckler, and a, and a helmet yeah. for a different... Yeah, it was nifty. It was... Yeah, very yeah, nifty. Very nice concept. Not quite sure what she was, what she was specced as. I don't remember what they were saying. I have no idea because I wasn't present. Yeah. <laughs> Magic of things like that. <laughs> I don't know, Balti. What do you What do you think would be a good way to spice up a I'm a hidden face? Your take on the fighter with an archetype would be good. 
Me, I can't say much for all that because my first character was a barbarian. I'm just going to cook everything for the uh, team. Don't ask what's in it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that reminded me of a another story. I, I have a lot of geeky friends, so I have a lot of stories. Anyways, so on your cooking thing... Guy made, I think it was, I forget if it was a monk, barbarian, or fighter. Anyways, something that whacked things in the face. And it took a feat of, I can use anything to whack a thing in the face. The character's name was Cookie. (laughs) And I think it basically took the feat so that it could fight things with... A waffle iron or just like frying pans. <laughs> so, you know, think of a monk with like three, four hits that I'm a hit, you know, goes up to it. Bap, 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 bap. You look at the face and it's now griddled. Wears a chef, chef apron the whole time, but doesn't actually cook. Yeah. <laughs> so, in a lot of ways, it's what the character creates of their character, not necessarily what the numbers on the sheet say they are. That is definitely true. A character is more than what the character sheet says. It is a role-playing game, and part of that role is R-O-L-E, getting into a character role, Boy. not just R-O-L-L, what do the dice tell me? Uh, other fun things. Very fun characters. Oh, you're, you have been the king of bringing character to a game. Uh, rubbing herbs into your wounds. I mean, I told them, if I die, <laughs> eat me. Uh, you you have had... I was going to be one tasty half-orc. You have had the best stories brought to brought to my table in a long time i once told the dm if you have a character for me i'll play it even if they want me to be the enemy at the end i'll do it i'll have fun with it i can see that happening and now i kind of do want to see that brian make it happen <laughs> so Behind the scenes, all the Shadowrun stuff, it's been Balti the whole time. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. He's the one responsible for the AIs and uh, people showing up in the tur- in the, uh, shipping, <laughs> the containers shipping containers. And and he's even the guy who sold the fish to Adam's aquarium thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't give him any information. <laughs> Damn aquarium. All paid off. <laughs> oh, Lord. I don't know what he thinks he's going to get out of those fish. I don't understand it. I, I kind of wish he would talk to me a little bit about it, but instead he's like, this is going to work, and I'm going to go with it, and off to the races. And we're going to destroy his soul in the process. <sighs> and my character will have sushi every day. It's it's reminds me on a twisted version of the Star Wars campaign all over again. <laughs> because he wanted to be a bad guy 
and I wanted to tempt him to be a bad guy. If he just let me, we could have made this happen. But instead, he got this idea, and he took off running in direction A, and missed every signpost pointing him in the direction we wanted go to go. A random hole over here because the things you guys are doing are not what I want to do. <laughs> All right. So what else can we advise people new to the hobby? And what Balti just brought up is something I want to advise. Plot hooks. Some DMs are really skilled and know what they're doing. Some DMs are just learning how to run a game. And some people are just barely beyond running things out of a manual. Everybody's got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere so, building your character. You got to start somewhere building your world. So when they dangle a plot hook in front of you, sometimes it's worth it to not say, well, my character wouldn't do that. I have no family. I don't care about this town. I don't. Sometimes it's worth it to just take Play that along. hook, take that hook and run with it. See where the story's going to go. The guy put the effort into the story. Get the ball rolling. Let it start. You don't have to follow the story exactly. Like, you don't have to go word by word of what he thinks the script should be. But if he has, there's this town set up and everything looks safe and peaceful, but you notice there's a train outbound and you notice something kind of spooky going on in the train, don't go, well, I'm going to go over to the tavern, and I'm going to talk to the guy in the tavern for three hours and see if he knows anything, because I think he's hiding something. Meanwhile, the train... <laughs> All right. It's a dark and stormy night, and you hear about this for uh, abandoned temple to one of the gods long forgotten. Ooh, that's a around the temple. That's a plot. <laughs> let's let's ignore the plot. I'm gonna go start a fight club. Okay. Uh, uh, how do we leave the floor? Because really, what you're doing at that point is making the DM go. I don't have any other plan. We'll go do the fight club, and maybe I can get the fight club to take a field trip to the temple. <laughs> hmm. All right, kids, let's get all on the bus, stand in a straight line. No punching, Jimmy. We're not at the destination yet. <laughs> the only safe place to hold a fight club would be at the temple. Otherwise, it's illegal everywhere else. <laughs> Behind door number one is room A. Behind door number two is room A. <laughs> Behind <laughs> door number three is room A. <laughs> <laughs> my character, though. Let's fight in town because it's illegal and I want to get the cops involved. <laughs> and then blame it on someone else. Are the cops exactly. tasty? <laughs> they did With it. the enough seasoning, anyone is tasty. I was a bystander this whole time. Those flyers with my pictures on it, it's not me. It's a modeling but They got agency. the nose wrong. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. There's something random that I enjoy doing in my current game. Is we go into town or after we fight someone or whatever, I pick up random things off of the characters. Not anything that takes up an item slot. Like, 
We fought some guards. I have the guards whistle now. We were in a town and there were toy dispensers machines. This is a very naive character and she loved it. So she goes over to what he's calling these gotcha pawns and opening up these little, you know, coin coin crate thingies. And she has just a little army worth of plastic figurines and like an entire bag full of marbles, which I'm saving these on my sheet for one day. When he forgets that I have this guard's whistle and these marbles. Ha ha ha. Something. I'm going to find a creative way of using this. So even Home the alone? <laughs> We do have an alchemist jug right now and we're discussing what we could do with two gallons of mayonnaise. <sighs> I, I, I mean, my alchemist came up with ecstasy, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, this is the alchemical and mixed it into all, and mixed it into every potion of featherfall he made. Longest fall ever, but man, what a ride! It was definitely a trip. Why you do this when I'm drinking water? It's Why? It's <laughs> not safe. It is never safe to drink around Balti. Should know this. <laughs> no, Adams knows this. Adams learned this the hard way. I'm trying really hard not to spray water onto the electrical equipment here, sir. Really hard. I just want to see a show. <laughs> I'm sure Brian doesn't want to pay for that show. <laughs> Probably not. No joking aside here, I have watched Baltazar tell me I'm going to make everyone at the table choke tonight. And then methodically, Greeno laughs, Adams laughs, everyone else, one at a time, choking on their drinks. He, he's a fucking nut. He's crazy. I love him. <sighs> you belong. I mean, it's the safest way to kill somebody. I didn't do a damn thing. I can't get blamed for it. I'm sorry, officer. I didn't kill them. It was the gravity that did it. Exactly. (laughs) They didn't bring their feather fall. Oh, well, that one did bring his feather fall. That's why he's still licking the wall. The snozzberries taste like snozzberries. Within that universe, years later, it came out with (laughs) waffles. Tasty waffles. Oh, God. So, okay. Has anyone here played the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, in our adventure, we wound up going on into the dream plane. Which, if you want your own little personal trip, that place is amazing. And the person that was DMing... I don't care if you're listening right now. Dude, you are a fucking god when it comes to storytelling. Just saying this right now. The internet now knows. Anyways, in the dream plane, you had magic. But it was basically unrefined magic. So you would think, I want a rubber ducky. 
and say, I'm going to use X amount of my magic points in it with went with some sort of score so i have seven points worth of magic i'm gonna stare at my hand until i have a rubber ducky and i'm gonna use five of them you failed to make rubber ducky now you can only use two etc anyways our one friend decides that i think we were trying to buy potions off of some guy he decides i'm gonna magic me up just poof out of thin thin air a box full of glazed donuts. Now, the thing about this was, is as you conjured the same item over and over again, it got easier and easier, fewer magic points, less chance to fail, until it was just like, okay, you conjured donuts. So conjures donuts. These things on the dream plane have never seen them before. They're like, what are these funny little puffed bread pastries. Nom, nom, nom. This is amazing! Hands over potion. Sweet. We're we're using these things for trade and barter. Donuts have become the currency of the land. Yes. uh, He described it as one of the creatures basically got cooked on donuts as if they were crack. Crack heroin. And we're like, we've dissolved this entire civilization of these things with donuts. One of the bosses was pissed off and he was like, How dare you bring such a joyful and sweet treat into my land? (laughs) And it came to a point where it was like, oh no, we need to stop this thing. And at this point, the uh, person could just insta-pop a donut or set of donuts or whatever. He conjures the, a donut the size of a Volks, Volkswagen. Just Volkswagen the bus, not the Beetle, the bus. <laughs> and drops it on a thing. And, he, and you hear the evil boss, Curse you, Donut Man, sir! Death by diabetes. <laughs> you know, and in the normal waking world, he's like an archaeologist you know, historian-type person, but in the weight-drinking world, Donut Man, sir! You ma- so sometimes you wind up making your own classes. And it's <laughs> it's great. So I think some of those are the best. Like, when you just wind up making something here of your own that has weird rules, especially if your GM is cool enough with it and can work with it on the fly the arrow of paladin slaying the arrow of what slaying the arrow of paladin slaying i can't remember whether it was first or second edition D. i know paladins used to have an aura of anti-magic around them my low-level assassin has been told to go kill this big huge Level 20-something paladin. How am I going to kill this thing? The GM's mom passed me the note. Hey, paladins have anti-magic aura. Think about it. That's all That's all the note was. And that in the name of a really cool uh, healing uh, potion in 2nd edition. So I go and I get 
a uh, scroll of shrink item. I chop down a giant redwood tree. And I lash a boulder to the front of it. And I cast shrink on it from the scroll. And then I fletch it. And I fire the arrow of paladin slaying at the paladin. So that when it hits his anti-magic aura, the shrink spell is uh, dispelled. The boulder and the redwood turn back to full size. Squish goes the paladin. (laughs) I love this story every time I hear it. It reminded me of something else that I heard that a ring of, like, anti-magic. Good enough just, like, to cover your finger and it's like, what the hell is this gonna do me? It's not an aura. It's nothing. It's not really all that useful. And this person's like, so I decided that takes this anti-magic ring and puts it on the end of like blunderbuss or a rifle or something. And as his ammo, like takes it to whatever magic-y type it is, just a pile of cannonballs has him cast shrink on it. (laughs) So every time he wants to fire his gun, he is able to shoot a cannonball with a pistol. And I was like, yes, this is the kind of creativeness that I enjoy seeing at a table. Uh, I saw that one making its way around the Facebook meme boards. Yeah. And uh, we got into a heated conversation online. Well, the physics wouldn't work that way. And this wouldn't work. You know what? Rule of cool works for me. Yeah. He's thinking outside the box. It's fine unless it gets abused. If it becomes too much, eh, then I'm upset. If it's cool, nifty gimmick, we're great. Happy as can be. Yeah. Rule of cool can do a lot in a game. What was that we were discussing the uh, one time where you were asking, can a person survive in a bag of holding? Oh, I can't remember what spun us down this conversation. It was something about putting a person in a bag of holding in order to transport them discreetly. And I think we were talking about using Dimension Door with it and if it would have any weird effects. That's right. Because we were talking about whether or not putting putting something in a bag of holding and then can a bag of holding go through a Dimension Door. That was it. Because Dimension Door is dimensional magic. Yes, it is. Would Dimension Door have the same effect as say, the portable hole, mm-hmm. where, oh, you put the per- bag of holding inside the portable hole and it blows up. Yeah. I showed you that uh, in, that arrow head put together by the engineer, right? Yeah. The bag of holding hits. Okay, it's a... Mm-hmm. It's a the arrow head has a portable hole in the bottom of it, or a bag of holding in the bottom of it, and when it hits... The the force of the arrow hits breaks a, a, a wooden retention rod that pushes a, a portable hole into a bag of holding. Oh. Well, that's mean. <laughs> it's like that story of I magic missile the darkness. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, Deck of Many Things. We all know Decks of Many Things are just plain old nasty pain in the asses. Oh, yeah. They can be absolutely terrible. 
Somebody drew the death card. What are you going to do? 52 pickup. (laughs) (laughs) You must fight the Avatar of Death. And they just throw all the cards up in the air and run away. (laughs) Oh, no. One of my favorites. 3.0 D&D, I think. So this is the stuff that Pathfinder was built on top of. Okay. A friend's party got out of control. Okay. I was asked to join as a ringer. (laughs) Make the most broken character you can to take down these things and make it legal. Because they're going to try and fight you on every rule. Can I use the Oriental Handbook? This is the Oriental Adventures Handbook... Okay. That was L5R and D&D working together. All right. There was a class of samurai. I don't remember what you had to do to do it, but for every round that they focused their Ayajitsu focus, mm-hmm. you roll the d20. And for every time you got above 15, you added a d6 to either your hit or your damage. Very nice. Every round you focused from center stance, whatever. Mm -hmm. So all I would do is I'd get them talking to me and I'd drop into centered stance. And then I'd start rolling. Then I'd start rolling dice on my phone, so it wasn't obvious that I'm rolling a bunch of dice. Mm-hmm. And then I'd pass the note over to Rob. These guys were playing with big boy artifacts, hands of Vecna, sword of Vecna, eye of Vecna. All this shit's involved. And but here's the thing about. Every round that you do this action, you get this bonus on your next attack. Hmm. And it would stack until you took the attack. And they would talk for ten minutes. And you get ten action or ten rounds a minute. Oh. Oh, so mean. <laughs> so I would take advantage of the fact that... You had long-winded people... <laughs> so my little stopwatch on my watch and my little die rolls and I'd take the little notes and I'd slide them over to Rob and then they'd enter my threat range with an aggressive action mm-hmm. attack of opportunity plus 3,000 to hit and 4,000 damage Because we were math assholes. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was the charging T-Rex. It's a T-Rex that looks tiny. He's charging from a distance. Oh shit, I'm sorry guys. Uh, just made a nice thump. It's T-Rex from a distance and he looks tiny and he's charging at you guys. Well, shit. Drop into center stance. Because everyone knows the size of a T-Rex is not tiny. What the hell does this fool think he's doing? As the T-Rex takes 
25, 30 rounds to get to us. Yeah, it does. It's fast, but not that fast. And, you know, that's just an extra... I think it was... I think it was literally just an extra couple hundred to hit and four or five D6 per success damage over six or seven, eight rounds. But that was more than enough to one-hit kill a T-Rex who entered my threat range. Oh. Here's advice for any DM. So, this because it happened to me in a game. I decided that I was going to play something that was slightly more magical. So I was dipping my toes into the big boy water, as I like to consider it, just because magic casters are generally always a little bit harder. They, They're not harder. Phenomenal cosmic powers. Comes with a price. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Casters are just harder, not because they're harder, you just have more shit to keep track of. If you're very organized, go ahead, play magic-y person. More power to you. No, but if your care players are like, I'm going to play a punchy thing, I'm going to play a I shoot a bow thing, and they're not really reaching for the magic-y things, don't have an event in the game that automatically, now everyone is dual- Specking. Don't force your players into that. Don't force complexity on people. Yeah. I, like, it was a fun game, but I didn't appreciate it, especially since I was doing Bard, charisma-based. And then they threw, what is it, wizard that's int-based on top of it? Have you ever seen... So it's like, what? You, you couldn't do sorcerer, really? Ah, I don't have points in wisdom. Have you ever seen the Palladium system? Heard of. Rifts. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. We good. My first experience with the Palladium system, had a buddy who was just all sorts of, he just had this mad boner on for the Macross universe. Hmm. We're going to play the licensed game. The Macross licensed game happened to be a Rifts source book. So we're going to play Macross. And we don't know exactly how to make these characters, so we spend literally two days before the session trying to figure out the math on some of these characters. Oh, wow. And we get these characters built that we think it's going to work out. Kind of, sort of, okay, maybe. On a very crunchy fiddly, terrible system. And we show up for the game with the GM and his two buddies that know how to play his flavor of Rifts and me and Raph who have no clue what we're doing. And he says, okay, you two go dogfight. And tell me who wins. Don't be that GM. Yeah. I'm not going to say, you know, don't baby your new players, but I am going to say, when they have a question, don't be a dick. 
Just straight up, don't be a dick. That's the first rule of every table, I think it should be. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Balty? Unless you're me. I was going to say, stop stop being a dick. (laughs) Unless you're making people choke on their water. Then continue. (laughs) If you can get a Cheeto to come out their nose, 25 bonus EXP. Oh, ow. Even more if they were eating Cheetos to begin with. How did you? What? Oh God! No! 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 <laughs> Maldi, do you have any any advice for anyone out there who may be thinking of doing a thing, and you're like, "Oh God, no! I've done the thing before. Don't do the thing." Do the thing at least once. But what is that thing? Even if it goes horribly, terribly wrong, you can learn from it. So do the thing at least once. This is true. I will say, on the dual specking uh, game that I had, everyone was so against the fact that it was like, oh, he gave you a sentient item. I had a, I found a staff that I could pick up because I was the slightly magic-y person being a bard. So I picked the thing up and, you know, everyone outside of the game, like experienced people were like, oh, oh no, you know, picturing your southern bells hand to forehead. No, sentient item, no. But it was fun because the thing would smart off with me. Hey, come on, you're a bard. You're snarky as hell already. You're talking a mile a minute. And now you have a staff that is talking in your head, talking in the rest of the player's head, and smarting off with you. (laughs) How can it go wrong? Uh, I just enjoyed that. For what it's worth, this reminds me of uh, stories that you hear on another podcast that I listen to. uh, The Happy Jack Screw is always talking about... There you go, plugging other people's podcasts again. They're always talking about how... In one person's game, it was really impossible to play a charisma-based character because they, the person, Mm -hmm. was just sharp as a tack, could have been a stand-up comedian, witty as all hell, and expected every person to kind of banter off with them. And sorry, there's some people that just aren't going to be that guy. Yeah, sometimes so, you also gotta fake it till you make it. So, give the leeway and don't be afraid to try. And when you're dealing with new players, don't expect gold. It takes them some time to get up to the gold. No. But at least if you're a new player, please know how to roll dice. Don't drop them from two feet above the table. <laughs> just, Just saying. The drop, put drop the dice within a reasonable area of the table, or get a dice tower. Dice towers are fun. They go clickety clack, and then you see your numbers, and they don't go all over the table. Throw it across the room. Only and after, faulty. only after it's rolled that one the fifth time. <laughs> That's when it goes in the microwave. <laughs> don't give them any ideas. <laughs> oh, close. There's one still out in the wild somewhere. We have no clue. Don't play outside. <laughs> Squirrel found it like. Bitch is probably rolling 20s now. <laughs> <laughs> Squirrel chewed off every other number. <laughs> probably. 
<laughs> All right. So any last uh, words of advice for a new player? Um, definitely mine is take the plot hooks and don't be afraid to try. Yeah, mine is don't be afraid to build it basic. You can always jazz it up with the way that you play it. Personality goes a long way. Mine is help your team. Don't trust anybody. <laughs> yeah, be a yeah. team player, but let the uh, let the team lead the way. Yeah. Also, try not to tell other people what they should be doing with their character. But Candace, you need to put two points into that skill I, and no, no, I'm not get saying the feet about that, and, and where get your the numbers feet. go. And get that feat, or otherwise it's completely worthless, and you should jump in front of this guy and uh, be Operation Meat Shield because I'm a squishy wizard. Yeah, I don't have leadership for uh, just any old reason. (laughs) No, I'm talking about if you want to make X, Y, or Z character, and someone else is like, no, that sounds dumb, you should do this, don't listen to them. Make whatever the fuck you want. If it doesn't work, guess what? There are so many game more games out there, and there's so many games that haven't tr- happened yet. Find another one. It is just a game. Mm-hmm. If it's not fun, I don't care how few a game you think you have, there's always another game in yes, your town. There there's always another game. We are, we are in a small town in Texas. There's always another game. And don't be afraid. If that if the group of people isn't working for you, if you as a group of friends are like, oh, I'm not feeling this character, I'm not feeling this campaign, drop it. Make a new one. What does it take? This is our... One, one night for another session zero to go, you know, let's rehash this or let's just start fresh. This is our hobby. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Oh, yeah. If it gets to where it's a chore, it's not worth doing. We do this to relax, not to more stress. Except for Balthazar. He does this to watch the tears of his companions roll down their cheeks. Oh, yes. Makes really good loop. It's got to burn. The salt. All the salt. Ah. Well, I'm sorry this episode's just a little shorter than our last couple of rambles, but we're sitting about an hour in, so uh, we'll take a moment to uh, thank uh, our uh, music man with an inserted clip, because I'm not going to remember all the information. (laughs) We'd like to thank our guest star tonight, Balthazar. No, they don't. Yes, we do. Come on. Come on. Bend over. Smoke smoke up that ass. You know you want it. Whee! <laughs> uh, definitely. Uh, thanks to Balti for showing up. Thanks to Candace for being here as usual. Thanks to Mouse for shutting the fuck up. But uh, damn, did that dog fart tonight. <laughs> um, it was me the whole time. <laughs> I mean, if you want to take the blame, go right ahead. I'm enjoying sitting at this end of the table today. <laughs> Um, we hope to, we hope that Matt will be back next week and we'll be, uh, doing the history of tabletop RPGs. As long as he's still as not As long dying. as he's 
back. If he's not yeah. back, we'll do some more uh, something else. If we if he dies, we have a necromancer somewhere. <laughs> that's uh, that's another good meme going around right now. Necromancer is healer. Don't worry, I've got this. I met one hit point. Don't worry, I got this. Drops. <laughs> What'd you do? You're rezzed now. I'm all gooey and ghoulish. You're alive though, right? And I mean, you don't need your health potions anymore. I mean, in the vaguest sense of the term. <laughs> it reminds me of a meme going around right now. I'm off to go uh, avenge my brother. Dwarf, and you'll have my axe. Elf, and you'll have my bow. Necromancer, and you'll have your brother. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. That's a good note to end on. Good night, everybody. All right, good night. And our music is brought to you by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Our intro music is Faster Does It, and outro is Dark Sealand. Thank you.